you know, you can't make this stuff up. They were actually collecting used gloves, washing them, and then um, repackaging them and sending them as new gloves. Meeting the sealed container, opening them up, and seeing an empty container minus a couple uh, boxes of gloves. There are hundreds, thousands, if not more, of companies and millions of millions of monies was sent, and we are stuck with it. And united, we stand. I think we got to create more people come on board. We'll get stronger, and we can fight the battle, and we can win the battle. Please come forward. The COVID-19 pandemic caused new and unique circumstances that led to the demand for personal protective equipment outpacing supply, and it happened very quickly. The pandemic's massive and urgent needs caused chaos in supply that forced U.S. importers to quickly identify new sources for PPE. That urgency, combined with restricted travel, forced some companies to modify or even abandon their normal due diligence processes for vetting new suppliers. And that led to some serious issues that you need to be aware of. Today, we're going to invite some special guests to our program to share their stories and their journeys into this emerging issue, and we want your help with a solution. Well, let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. Gentlemen, thank you for joining the program. Let's start with some introductions so people know who you are. Uh, Bjorn, let's start with you. Uh, sure. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, this is uh, Bjorn Che with uh, Natural Solutions. I'm a CEO of a natural solutions company, and uh, we have been in importing business over me personally over 30 some years, but the company wise about since uh, 2012. Thank you, Bjorn. And Tim? Yeah, hi, my name is Tim Morgan. I'm based in Cleveland, Ohio. My company is International Sourcing Group, and uh, we've been importing a wide variety of products from Asia for about 20 years now. We started in 2000. Last but not least, Rob? Yeah, my name is Rob Williams with R.L. Williams Company. Uh, we're in Conover, North Carolina, and I'm a president, and we have been providing facility services and PPE since uh, 1996, and really glad to be here. So to set the stage for this, uh, these three gentlemen and their organizations have been involved with an issue that we're going to get into. In fact, I would say you have to be a, a hermit on a mountaintop not to know that there are global supply and demand issues and we're not just speaking of toilet paper and um, canned corn missing from the shelves. We're talking about uh, personal protective equipment that was needed during the pandemic and still is needed. So, Tim, uh, let's start with you. Tell us what happened when the demand for PPE increased overnight with the pandemic. Well, after living in Asia for a number of years and then importing products for about 20 years in the Late spring of 2020, a bunch of my customers came to me with urgent demands for PPE. They needed everything from masks to gloves, and uh, they just weren't able to get it within their normal supply chains. So I went out to my network and tried to find um, new avenues for supply. And, um, you know, because the demand was so great, there was such pressure to get product to get to the frontline workers. Um, we had millions of dollars in action in Asia by uh, June of uh, 2020. And Rob, how about you and your company? Uh, yeah, to, 
like Tim was saying, you know, things came on so fast. We were a little bit different in the sense that we had provided um, gloves, and that's a nitrile, latex, and vinyl gloves to our existing customer base. And so we had built up uh, a, a very nice um, uh, business for, for them, for us, and we provided it to the uh, you know, healthcare workers and, and, and workers in need uh, prior to the, uh, the COVID uh, hitting. And then um, when it did, uh, quickly, so fast, disrupted the supply of goods. It was like a faucet was turned and it was turned off. So, you know, all of my customers and the market, you know, needed what they'd had previously. And then the demand was, I don't even know what X you would say it became, uh, but it dried up so fast. And to Tim's point, you know, everybody looked for good, credible um, mills that could supply the need. But uh, the, the, it seemed like the kind of the, the rush was on uh, globally to, to fill the, the new demand. And Bjorn, I imagine you have a similar story. Absolutely. Just like, uh, you know, Tim's story and uh, been in uh, importing business uh, many, many years, 20 years. And uh, but this unprecedented, unheard of uh, surge of demand of these uh, PP uh, supply uh, has absolutely created a very, very abnormal business, international business trade practice. And uh, which means that, you know, normal days when there is an order, international business, typically you secure your orders with the some form of secured financial through financial tools like, you know, letter of credit, a bank guarantee, something that can, you know, secure your order. However, because the demand was so huge and plus all these uh, overseas factories were Basically, they, you know, it, it, we just have to go with their terms and absolutely uh, whatever they ask because, you know, there was a, such a big, you know, demand and we just want to be in front of the uh, top of the weight line. So whenever they say, okay, guys, if you can wire such and such, we can do such and such. So that's how actually uh, this abnormal business practice has started and we have sent millions of millions of dollars of our customers and then basically that turned into humongous uh, chaos chaos indeed um let me ask this question we know how we got here there was a need for the ppe but we got into a serious situation just how serious is this and let's start with you rob it's very serious because it involved hundreds of companies and millions and millions of dollars um and it really at the end of the day uh, we had companies and countries uh, that were criminal, uh, that took advantage of the US, uh, the COVID situation, that took advantage of frontline workers in need and just the uh, US consumer in need of these, of these goods. And, and then US companies trying to, to navigate this to bring the goods into the US were now in this, uh, you know, taken in, in this situation where we you know, can't get gloves or deposits returned. So it's uh, a very, very situ serious situation that has affected uh, so many aspects of uh, the U.S. And Bjorn, what do you have to add to that? Absolutely dead serious because in terms of, you know, monetary volume, the 
amount of money that U.S. companies have sent overseas without seeing any result at all. And many companies, I wouldn't say most companies, many companies, literally this amount of money could be a matter of their business survival or death. So to that point, I mean, we all are in business uh, in pursuit of profits. And so that's how we survive. But you sent uh, millions of dollars and you're getting nothing in return. Dead serious. There are so many bad, fraudulent, bad actors all over. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a transaction you expected the return on and you got nothing. So I, I can see the issue is starting to grow. Uh, Tim, anything to add to this? Yeah, I think it's important to kind of frame the mindset at the time because it really was chaos. The U.S. government was trying to find ways to get the economy going again. We had front, um, we've seen studies where in June of 2020, 27% of frontline workers, these are nurses, EMTs, were seeing known COVID patients without proper PPE gear. And then by July, of 2020, 343 nurses and doctors had died of COVID. So the issue was critical, the pressure was real, and um, you know the fear that was stoking this demand was real. Let's switch gears a little bit, Bjorn, and talk to you about your network. I know you have a network among Asian countries that's worked well in the past when you've needed supplies. Is there any way that you can see to remedy this situation? Absolutely. I have uh, tried uh, every single available connections that uh, networks that I have built over the past 30 years. But this is a very, very abnormal times, mainly because we are physically restricted. We just cannot travel. We just cannot go to the place. And because if we could have simply be there and face those people and talk to them, I think we would have resolved or could have prevented most of these problems. And however, because of those physical restriction and we were very, very unfortunate and then we didn't see any results. But yes, I am uh, utilizing still uh, all these available uh, resources, trying to see some results. And I think... Uh, I am uh, start seeing uh, some results very soon. So some might say just buy American, buy the U in the USA, but um, I know that wasn't always a possibility. Tell us about that and the challenges with product procurement in the US. And maybe Tim, we'll start with you. Sure, we actually did reach out to a, as many PPE suppliers in the US as we could find. And we found it universal that the ones that were operating in the US at the time were 110%, 150% um, past capacity. So they weren't interested in any new orders uh, up until 2022. Large um, groups like the US military, the UN, they were going in and buying long-term contracts um, that were just buying all available um, capacity in the US. So that left places like hospitals and um, universities and food service to scramble to try and figure out alternatives for, um, for PPE. And to add to that, with COVID, there were new protocols where people who normally did not wear gloves to do their daily operations were then being required to wear gloves. 
I know that I've never worn a mask before in my life. Yeah. So, and I had, I needed some, it was hard to find. Rob, what would you say to this? I, I exactly what Tim was saying. I mean, like we mentioned, like our supply immediately was cut off. Uh, that was an import. We looked for uh, stateside, um, nothing on the manufacturing side, as well as uh, you call OTG on the ground product and a product that did make its way here. Uh, that was um, snapped up so fast. <laughs> Uh, is unbelievable. So, you know, really find these were the only countries to deal with when it came to realistically finding supply, finding, um, uh, trying to get containers, getting in the front of line, the line. It, it was, it, it was, it was the only game in town. And, and the game just became this whole, the whole world too was, was, uh, it was a world supply. Uh, not just the U.S. So, um, but no, there was little to none in the U.S. I understand that it wasn't uncommon to get a, a container and have it with just a few things in it, not full like you expected. So, yeah, yeah, I'd be glad to share that story right quick. If, Go ahead. Yeah. So again, you know, fighting the battle to get goods, um, having uh, fraudulent uh, inspection reports. Uh, leaving, leaving the factories, uh, having sealed uh, containers, uh, meeting the sealed container, opening them up, and seeing an empty container minus a couple uh, boxes of gloves. Uh, completely fraudulent from, uh, from start to finish. So, and there's many war stories very similar to that out there in, in this process. Yeah. Before I move on to my next question, Bjorn, did you have anything to add to this part of it? Uh, yes, uh, actually, uh, to, uh, if just adding a few things to what Rod has just mentioned, because uh, some of those countries, I think a day just a bribery is so you know, common. And just like we said, everything is a totally fraud. Inspection report is fraud. Customs paper, paperwork is fraud. And because we just couldn't travel there and take, take advantage of us. And like I said, you pay them, bring containers in. When you open the container, what you're expecting is not there. Okay, so Tim, uh, let's go back to you. You came across a CNN report recently and you shared that with me. And it's on our um, own website now, I, on an ISSA media website, Cleaning and Maintenance Management. It's a story that um, I think you want to share some details on that. It does tie into today's topic. Yeah, it was great to see that um, things like this are finally coming to light because anecdotally, we've heard we've all heard stories of wet rags being sent over instead of gloves just to kind of weight the container correctly or um, loading it with bricks. We've heard about those. But uh, CNN was able to find of a story out of Thailand where they were actually collecting used gloves, washing them, and then um, repackaging them and sending them as new gloves. And the system that we've been talking about, the safety nets are so broken that these gloves actually made it through. They made it to the US, they made it to final um, customers. They were used by some hospitals even. And so these are gloves that they found, you know, soiled with potentially blood and other things that would put the people who are using them at risk. 
and the people that they were trying to help. So it's not just a disgusting story, but it's really a matter of life and death to some of the people who are involved in it. You know, you can't make this stuff up. It's, you know, we were talking that we kind of have a failure to imagine a a fraud like this because we would never think that it um, you could economically collect gloves and then repackage them. But in some of the Asian countries where the daily labor rates are lower um, and the prices were inflated, Mm -hmm. it created the incentive for this type of fraud. Let's start with you, Tim, on this next question. We'll get the get everyone's comments. So for the thousands of viewers who are going to watch this episode, what would you like them to do? And some of these are going to be other ISSA members, other industry professionals like yourself. So what would you tell them, Tim? Well, we know this is a big issue because, again, anecdotally, we're hearing it from too many people. What, what we really want to do is find out how big the problem is. We want to understand the scope. And to do that, we need people like um, our three companies finally standing up and saying publicly what happened um, so that, you know, uh, we're happy to create a central repository for all the information. The ISSA has been wonderful about allowing us to use some of their resources to help get this to a wider network. So. The first and foremost, we want people to step up, tell us their stories. They do not need to be made public, but as long as we kind of understand so that we can get a good idea of the scope, because we we know it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars and we believe it's potentially in the billions of dollars that we're talking about. Down in the video description, as folks watch this, they can see some contact information there uh, to start with, and we'll update that as we go along. So. Uh, Rob, what would you add to this? What would you like to say? Well, I just, you know, again, just kind of clearly what 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 the problem was is is as, as this demand and to get um, to attempt to get uh, gloves, you had to send deposits to the factories, and, and then they received the deposits. And so, over time, when trying to get gloves, we could not could not get hardly any, very few. So then, then it became, okay, let's get deposits back. Let's return the funds that were deposited. And then neither gloves nor deposits were returned. And so we have been fighting that battle for, you know, for a year. And so what I've found is, is when you're trying to do that, and these foreign countries, what are best practices to do that? How do you, how do, and, and then you had COVID, right? And then they're hiding behind COVID. And some of these are very trade, um, uh, they they're, have good trade relations with the US. So, so this is what happened. So we could not get gloves or money back. And I wanna say, Thousand upon thousands and thousands of hours has been spent on this, and so when I I reached out, talked to Tim, talked to Bjorn, same same thing, and then since we have started this, we have had companies coming out of the woodwork, same thing, and I know just the three of us guys just talking, 
how much has it helped us just talking through the situations that we've been in? And again, best practices. So walking away from this, really at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to get, we got to collect who all, how can we influence? It's by knowing more companies and, and like Tim was saying, the volume of what's involved here. And that's happening now. But, but clearly that's, that's what's going on and that's been the battle. And so now with, you know, working with the ISSA and, 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 and others, uh, we're finding that people in our exact situation need the same help and assistance and that's what we hope to do. Bjorn? Yes, <clears throat> just like what, uh, what Rob has just mentioned, there are hundreds, thousands, if not more, of companies and millions of millions of monies was sent and we are stuck with it. And then yet many of them, most of them, you know, including myself, just uh, didn't know what to do at the beginning. And but now we are learning there are a lot of, you know, other people like me, like us, you know, uh, I, I don't know, it's an old saying, what it only takes a little spark to get a big fire going. I think three of us, if, you know, obviously I haven't seen anything yet, but uh, Rob, me and Tim, I want to be a little spark that we want to get this big fire of fighting these bad actors and these fraudulent business people. I mean, those are bad guys over there because simply because we couldn't travel there, they took advantage of us. You know, if you hear that most people who sent the money over there, they're stuck with it, nothing. And I mean, in my case, I got some, but I know there are hundreds of hundreds of people. They sent millions of millions of money and they didn't get anything. Every time I think about it, it really makes me mad. So I really think that we all have to come forward and join our consortium. We united, we stand. I think we got to create more people come on board. We'll get stronger and we can fight the battle and we can win the battle. Please come forward. Well, Bjorn, I hope that we have a spark that turns into a flame here, and this does result in some positive action. Uh, so, Rob, why don't you wrap it up for us today with a final comment or two? Well, first of all, I would like to thank you, Jeff, and the ISSA for uh, bringing this to light and, and having this forum, and, and really appreciate the opportunity to do this. And uh, you see the passion come through. Uh, you see it come through Bjorn and you see it come through Tim. Um, you know, I just, uh, any companies out there that are experiencing the same difficulties, uh, please contact us. Um, and I think what, you know, having an action plan and, you know, gathering, gathering the, the people that are impacted, that are significantly impacted. Uh, we're, we're taking that voice and we're, we're doing things with it. Uh, so we've got uh, government uh, agencies and policymakers uh, that uh, we are working towards getting uh, COVID relief for companies that are impacted because we're taking this fight now two different ways. It's a micro, which, you know, Bjorn, you talked a good bit about where we are, you know, fighting and doing everything we can there. But also in a macro, and that's where an ISSA uh, helping bringing this to light and other companies uh, joining in, because we need our government to hold the other governments uh, that are 
have these companies within their border. So not only do we need COVID relief funds, we need COVID relief funds for the companies while we fight those battles. Because guess what they take? They take time, they take money, and you know we're all involved in that. So what I'd like for people to know is, is when you do come forward and kind of come off of that island, and it's gonna be big companies, small companies, doesn't matter. Um, if you've been in this 30 years and you did this, you were probably affected. It didn't matter how long you did it, how good you were at it. <laughs> it was, you know, I've, I've talked to many. So um, you know, please come forward. But the thing is, is we, we have an action plan and what we want to do at the end of the day is win. And secondly, the big part, and Jeff, when we first started talking about this, was the other thing. We wanted to use this. It was a bad thing. We want to use this for good, right? Help as many companies as we can in the same situation. We want to and hold the people accountable that have done this and the countries. And then thirdly, let's don't have this happen again. Let's bring this to light. Let's end this and make this all very positive for everybody involved.